Hello, and welcome to Horrific Tales. In this show, we celebrate the creations of independent authors and aspiring writers. Please like, subscribe, and share these episodes to help get our friends as much exposure as possible. We would also appreciate it if you could support our artists by following them on their independent platforms and by purchasing their works. Details on how to do so will be in the show notes. Today's horrific tale is a piece submitted to us by Arthur L. Strange. Come join us now as we present to you Fulton Bogan. When old Boggins took over the world, it wasn't really how I would have expected it to go. I mean, if you told me it was the end of the world, which every man and his dog has been saying for ages anyways, I probably wouldn't have cared. Would have just passed you off as another weirdo. Or a sucker. But if you had the inside scoop and I trusted you, I would never have guessed old Boggin motherfuckers would. Or even could get into some shit like this. I woke in the grip of some horrid, intense adrenaline cascade. I felt like a sweaty blob on my cold bed sheets. Grinding noises bit into my eardrums, real aggressive through my shut window. There'd been a sign up at the corner of our street saying road work, something, something. Didn't really pay it much attention, and I lay in bed a minute going, what the fuck is that? Then I remembered it. The noises must have given me some bad dreams, because my sweat stunk like a tramp's... Well, it smelled bad. I couldn't stand that greasy slime I'd exuded into my bed. It was fucking disgusting. And those noises, so loud and vulgar, abrupt, huge sounds of motors, diesel engines, metal wheels screeching as they turned around on the road. From all over the damn place too, it sounded like they were doing the whole damn city. And people screaming, really screaming as if they were in battle. I wondered why there were screams, and thought maybe it was part of the loud music the road workers were playing from many different stereos, but it didn't feel right. The screams seemed to move and fade, stopping and starting. I could hear about four sound systems going in use, and maybe more. These roadwork guys were playing rock and roll. No, not rock and roll. Metal. Heavy metal. Real fast rock and roll. Speed metal. Thrash metal. And all that morbid shit. Black and death metal. That's what my idiot flatmate and his drinking buddies called it. They knew the names of all those obscure bands and what have you. I was never into that stuff, preferred my hip-hop, my R&B, techno, and so on. But that didn't stop them from never shutting up about it, and always telling me, check this guitar solo, check this riff out, etc, etc. Well, I tried to get back to sleep, but that wasn't happening. Even pulled the covers over my head, even tried rubbing my nuts to see if Mr. Willie was into a low five. That screaming only made good background jerk-off noise for sickos. I got out of bed nice and slow, fully an hour before I needed to, and I could see it was a scorcher. What a day to do roadworks. The sun was streaming in through the curtains as if it was pressed up right by the damn window, and light was flooding in like it must be heaven in my room. Except for all the screaming. I stood, just listening for a second in my undies, trying to figure out what the hell the screaming was. It was high-pitched like how women in slasher movies scream when the guy is about to chop them in half. And I can hear them shouting, No! 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 And all this sort of thing. My god, what's happening? Crazy things. 
I mean real shrieking and it sounded so damn honest I had no clue what to make of it. Of course, I had to see. When I pulled the curtain back, I got the surprise of my life. The road was pink. I mean, bright pink. Almost fluorescent, but not quite. Shiny pink in places where I guess the sun hadn't dried. Why is the road wet and pink, I thought, mind reeling in shock. My logical old brain began thinking, maybe it's a new kind of polymer, waterproofing, undercoat thingy, etc, etc. You know how a guy will talk like he knows all about something. Well, my brain was doing that to me, pretending it could figure out new roadworking technologies like no one's business. And then they'll put the concrete over that pink coat, I suppose, my dopey old know-it-all brain said. And it wasn't until later on that day I remembered it was asphalt, not concrete, that road guys use. The footpaths were still gray, though. They hadn't changed. I looked at that pink road, wondering. Felt like there was something lost translation between eyes and brain. Then something really fucked up happened. A bit of music in the distance got louder and louder, along with a horrible diesel engine sound, as if it was a vehicle with a broken muffler. Sure enough, a tractor pulled up at the bottom of our building where the pink was just ending. It was still normal gray road underneath. They were only just starting to pink coat the bit past our building. And this tractor looked old, really, really old, but jazzed up as if it was a new tractor made to look old. Redone to look shitty, if that makes any sense. Probably not. Doesn't matter. Behind it was a trailer. Wide. Gleaming shining metal rods crossed it horizontally, and they looked brand spanking new, compared to the rest of the thing, which was all dusty and fucked, all black and gray and mud caked. The tractor was dirty too, and the guy driving it was old and fat, wearing black ripped up jeans with big holes in the knees, and big black work boots that looked like they were a thousand years old, and a black tee that was faded to gray. I could see him through the raggedy roof cage that was broken and rickety like it was about to fall down, hammered around the seat and dash askew, with the nails and bolts still half out of it. There was a mangled puppet on top of the cage. That's cute, I thought. Kind of like how those Japanese girls will have a little anime character backpack or whatever. A bogan road worker dude will have some gory puppet. Yeah, it's cool, you know. But it's a bit lame. Like, does it really matter if everyone thinks you're that into gore and metal, right? Just a bit try-hard. I got a pretty good view from my third-story bedroom. The tractor had a massive cranish arm sort of attachment behind it. And I saw a guy grab a control pad dangling around the right of his steering wheel, and the three flat metal fingers that made up his claw at the end of the arm flexed a little in and out. Then the arm shot like a gun into the second-story window below me all of a sudden straight outstretched. It came into visual focus a second after I heard the glass shatter inward and a lady scream. Huh? I thought. I may have said it out loud. I wasn't sure. Jasmine, downstairs. It's so fresh in my mind right now, even hours after it happened. Sure enough, Jasmine was pulled in careless efficiency out of her window by this claw, shrieking and crying. The clang of broken window panes pierced my ears interrupting all of the rest of the noise. Had there been a cigarette in my mouth, it would have fallen. I almost fainted, squeezing the window frame I watched from, barely noticing how my hand hurt from just a few seconds of pinching. Jasmine has... had, sorry. Long brown curly hair. She's dyed it. She's about 70, but I know that wouldn't put my flatmate Kai off. He'd do any woman he could. And in my memory, 
so fucking alive in my mind's eye right now. She's got this black dress with pink and red love hearts on it, and the claw holds her maybe four meters above the road, while the guy driving the tractor just chills out and I see him have a sip of something through a straw. I suppose it must be thirsty work, I think, but that feels so out of place. He might kill this hysterical woman. I should call the police. But I'm frozen and freaked by what happens next. A big black truck pulls up behind the tractor, driving on the pink road. It's got a heavy metal blasting from the stereo too, so that makes two songs going at once and two engines, plus the background din the other guys in the crew are making. Another type of claw made of metal, old rusted springs and pistons, shoots around and for a second I think, it's gonna stab Jasmine. Call the police now, it's going to fucking impale her straight through the guts. But it doesn't. Blades and scissors and multitudes of gyrator tools and padded gripping slicers made from all manner of discarded metal consumables pop out of the end of the claw and it cuts her dress. And I have this mad thought that Kai was here will be written on whatever bra and undies she is wearing, or maybe a boob or inside thigh, and whisks away all her clothes, casting them onto the footpath in a flash. Bra, undies, socks, slippers, dress, all of it. It doesn't have to do much work, as being yanked so ferociously through the window has cut her clothing and skin. She's completely naked and bleeding from jagged deep scratches in her plump grandma's body. I notice on the other side of the road, on the footpath, are other piles of clothing. There's more people screaming. It hasn't stopped. I'm just aware of it again, as if I've woken up again, or tuned into it. I'm in the past, the future, the present at the same time, or times, or whatever. Everything's jilted. I'm still shaking off sleep and morning wood, maybe a dream or two, and wondering, am I going to die real soon? with many stereo screaming death metal and death screaming people. Time is striated, like it's gashed and stuffed in a coffin that's too small and then rammed in my head. On top of Jasmine's wails, fitting into the cacophony with the sound of the two engines and the stereos, there's the sound of a lot of people, maybe 20 or 30, yelling and crying as loud as their lungs will let them. I sway right a little and try to see, but the big truck is reversing, and I have this horrible feeling in my gut like I've swallowed a bowling ball. As the truck reverses, the screams get quieter. Why is that truck full of screaming people? No answer comes for about half a second, then I know, before I've even finished the thought. Jasmine is rammed by this claw into a crude, wide sheet metal funnel at the front of the trailer. It's movement done with total negligence. She isn't placed. She isn't directed into it. She's just stuffed in there sideways, just whatever first. And I see rollers rotating and cogs I didn't notice before spinning so fast and her screams heighten, then end as an abrupt squash of blood and entrails fling out of the trailer and spats and splotches all over. The mutant posture she's forced to adopt as she's thrust in is enough to churn all of my intestinal debris and the nausea hits worse than the worst hangover I've ever had, multiplied by a billion. My eyes go into some sort of catharsis, and I notice that there's specks of blood all over the footpath and clothing piles, just little dots of red everywhere. Jasmine explodes inside the trailer, bursting like a giant, ripe, bone-threaded tomato. Then she's rolled and pressed, and there's thumping pistons with bulbous feet on them at the back of the trailer. As it moves forward, 
A sheet of expanded, semi-jasmine-shaped pink is glazed out onto the gray road and pulverized into place, the hammer pistons slamming it into the ground in ferocious efficiency. Bits of her glasses adorn the splat she is now. The trimming machine didn't get rid of them. A wild, unchained memory of Kai calling her Jizminge pops into my head with his friends laughing. 30 and 40 year old Boggins still giggling over the bad taste, and I remember how offended I was at the time. Maybe not by the new name they'd given her, but by how funny they all found it. Maybe I'm just uptight. I was never invited to their parties across the hall. It takes me a few seconds to realize that I'm urinating, but in this horrible vision, it's warmth that is comforting, so I'm okay with that. The claws turned around to point a little to my right. I hear it smash into either Kai's bedroom or the kitchen, not sure which. See ya Kai, nice knowing ya. Good luck with being a bit of road. Parents will be proud you're finally doing something with your life other than drinking the cheapest booze and shagging any woman anywhere, no matter who she is, any old gilf. That's what I remember him saying once when he was drunk. Any old gilf, mate. Yeah, boy. I hear the claw, but I don't see it. It moves so fast, it's just there. I don't see its movements between the two spaces. It's so fast, it looks like it's teleporting. Kai screams, but I'm still looking at Jasmine. Realizing that now it's Kai's turn, then me next. There's something so beautiful about it, so powerful and incredible in the increment of size. Sorry, it's really hard to explain. I mean the whole treating people like cattle sort of aspect. Jasmine was a nice old lady. I never went to bed with her like I'm sure Kai did, or tried to. Or maybe they just banged all over her furniture and kitchen. Kai was a happy little fuckwit. The claw pulls out of our apartment, and I hear Kai's hurried footsteps. Then I watch the claw change again, and it slammed into our kitchen window. Kai barges into my room. I turn right to see him standing there in his boxer shorts, panting and wild, long hair out all frizzy and stupid looking. I think, those tattoos of all those stupid bands you like aren't doing you any good now, are they, tough guy? And I feel a kind of sadness that he's taken out of my life in this manner. He's a douchebag friend. But he's my douchebag friend. And converting him into a bone slop of road stuffing or human asphalt should be my call. Many a child is sad, but my inner nihilist seems to just think, oh well, fuck him. When the claw grabs him, it's there. Bang! Then they're both gone, and the glass is still falling in their absence. I realize I'd turned to look at him and moved away from the window. And I begin to wonder, as I hear Kai screaming, then abruptly stop. If the driver has seen me, or if he even controls the claw, because it appears to act more of its own volition, like a snake, oblivious to any indecision and hunger. The picture of it in my mind is a conglomerate of iron and steel leftovers. Bolts, sockets, rivets, extraneous manufactured gibberish, unwanted cogs and refuse, all tattooing a central couple of extending pistons. I wonder who would or could design such a torturous implement. Something so perfect in efficiency, yet appearing crude beyond broken, as if slapped together in five minutes by a lazy drunk. The sidling leads my imagination to conjure another picture, that of an oily face unkempt peat freak, welding genius in a mount of mess workshop, grafting the fucking thing together on a massive drug binge, 
playing the same scratched metal album over and over on some shitty ghetto speakers, loud enough to distort the distortion, but never loud enough to satisfy. Kai's been a good mate over the years, and tears slide down my cheeks a little. I don't want to look down to see him get mushed in a road gloop, but I can't help thinking about it. Imagine being pulled out of your bed one morning like this. Imagine those flattened, irregular pancake bodies on the road. Your friends, looking up at you for an instant with dead, warped, broken eye sockets. Then, you're hurtling towards those shiny metal rolling pins once you've been dragged bloody from a breaking window. Think of the pain as your head is mushed in between those rollers. Think of the metal pressure on your skull. After about two seconds, I hear a window shadow across the road, and a lady screams. A man screams with her. They're screaming about their baby, I think, and I'm face first into a schoolyard memory of telling dead baby jokes to my friends, and now I understand why my mother used to tell me off for that kind of humor. My heart goes out to them, but my stomach goes first. I've woken up into a fucking nightmare. No, it's too sunny to be a nightmare. Wellington is a cold, unforgiving city where winter is a six-month boring chill, but today, the sky and the sun feel like the tropics, even at 7-whatever-o'clock-a.m. The sun is blinding, and I stay pressed against the wall next to my window without moving for, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 screams? The building across the road is a little bigger. I wonder what to do. Maybe I could just hole up in here and do nothing like a mouse. I just have to be sneaky and hope I don't get caught. Live on this new earth like an outcast, waiting until little resistance groups get together or the army fights them off. Fuck that. No way do I want to live like that. And I wonder, if you can't beat them, join them, my brain says. And that's not bad advice. Better than polymer whatever bollocks coating instead of human flesh? Can't even figure that out, dumb old brain when dumb old eyes are looking right at it. If you can't beat them, join them, my brain says again, and I hear the metal music the driver is playing out of his shitty radio. It stands out as if it's important. It doesn't sound good, like the stereos young guys like me buy for our souped-up Jizmobile cars. It sounds fuzzy and too loud, like the speakers are all worn and fucked as if it was recorded in a garage. Not by guys who know what they're doing either, but damn, it does have some cool beats. I'm sad, but I can't help nod my head to it a little, in spite of knowing I shouldn't. Perhaps I'm on the verge of finally getting metal, something all of Kai's mates would approve of. The instruments sound like they're too loud, like they're arguing with each other. Is that supposed to be part of the attraction? I get to thinking, maybe I can join them. I wipe the tears away, tell myself to harden up, and put on some shitty old black wear-wear trackies. I bang on a tee, one on top of the pile of dirty washing, then run to the fridge. There's a small war in my mind. I don't want to do this, but I do want to do it. It's fucking boiling outside, and if I'm gonna die, I might as well die with a cold beer. Or lots of cold beer. I'm wishing we had a gun in the apartment but I don't think I've ever seen a gun in Wellington that wasn't on the news. No one has guns here. I grab two of Kai's nice beers, the imported Swedish ones, and swig them back real quick. My stomach loves it. So out of character for him to buy beers a guy like me can drink without retching. There's an unopened dozen of mine. 
another unopened dozen belonging to a fucking washout loser friend of Kai's called Seji. About eight of Kai's left, and then a few more stragglers. Old weird beers nobody wanted from our flat warming. Forgotten back of the fridge bullshit, and so on. So it's a little over three dozen all up. Eating's cheating, right? Fuck food. Fuck you, breakfast. I go to leave by the stairs, and then I see Kai's door wide open. His wardrobe wide open too, and it's full of black t-shirts. I know every single one has a disgusting image and stupid spidery writing or some satanic slogan in the name of some heavy metal band, all designed to offend old ladies or priests or my mom. I pull my tea off and go in. I find the one with the goriest picture and the most unreadable band slogan and put that fucker on. I grab the beers, shoot down the stairs, I'm on the footpath. The putrid smell of steamy, dead human paste is revolting and fresh, and I almost bring up what I had for dinner last night. Feel so revulsed I'm gonna bring up what I had for dinner, breakfast, and lunch two days ago, along with all the dinners I've ever had and shit my pants at the same time. I wave over to the driver, trying to ignore the things I see. Smashed windows, often with blood on their jagged edges where people have been scraped through, probably writhing and clutching anything, even broken window glass. The claw this guy is using is only about as wide as a fat human leg, and I can see that the remaining shards of a lot of windows have bloody organs and slops of muscle dangling from their points. They've gashed into inhabitants, removed at terrific velocity. The driver pulls up next to me, and I notice he's covered in tattoos, the dark green ones you'd get if you were in jail. It's the same color as island tattoos. They look nothing like island tattoos. They're all old school, an anchor, a crappy devil face, a nude lady, you've seen it all before. I gulp. He's huge, stocky, fat, muscly, however the perfect antithesis of a mellow islander. His face is brimming with hatred. He looks like he'd quite happily bludgeon my guts into pie and eat me in one go. I start to jabber a little, asking if he wants help, telling him I can show him where heaps of other people are office buildings, schools, and so on, before I even realize I've done it. It's scary hearing myself talk without knowing what I'm about to say. Self-preservation is a powerful drive, and I'm only too happy to sell my countryman down the river if he won't turn me into squish. I'm thinking I won't show him where my mom or dad works, or the campus my brother's studying at. Hopefully they've all run away, away from the roads. He grunts, uncertain. The puppet on his roof is not a puppet, it's a shriveled person. I see there is a tube coming down from his lower neck, another from his kidneys or spleen spliced into it. The fat metalhead driver is drinking this guy's blood. And not only blood, there is greeny brown slime and other weird shit, yellow blobs in it. I suppose it is a hot day. I notice to my left there is more pink, then pink perpendicular to that where the roads meet and I can see those big trucks driving by with people screaming in them, kept in with spikes and large nails and sharpened bolts pointed downward to keep them from climbing out of the cages. Some of them do anyway, and I see the odd naked person, cut open all over, skin white and pink and red, racing around maniacal. I hear bouncing, slamming noises, and a horrid amalgamation of man and machine, another road worker, comes down the street perpendicular to mine. He turns into my street, He's riding, 
or attached to a white piston with enormous spring coil around it, which is above a huge flat metal foot. And he bounces in a chaotic spaz all over the road, just wherever. There's no apparent order to it. As he gets closer, I notice the bottom of the foot, which at its zenith is about three meters off the ground, is red all over, and the red begins to drip off, revealing a silver shine. He isn't riding the foot. He's stuck to it. His legs have been removed, and the skin of his waist is drawn over the top girders above the piston. All bolted, nailed, mutilated screw hammered flesh pulled over and pinned to the obsolete, worn-out metal. The guy has a massive grin on his face, and I wonder how fucked in the head you need to be. How much subjugation to lunacy is required for this to be good fun? How many lobotomies you need? His muscled arms work the controls, levers, and a few clunky buttons, all with the same odd job look bits and Bob's ripped off random appliances. And I can see speakers wired up to a crappy old tape deck, ugly meter tall speakers right next to his ears, turned inward. I try to act cool, like it's no big deal. I'm in on it. I feel a wave of dementia rise up inside me as I see the guitar made out of flames tattoo on Kai's bicep on the road, pressed wider and flatter than it ever was when he showed it off. Seeing his face reminds me of the Play-Doh I used to splay out with a rolling pin as a child and of my mother rolling out pastry. When the guy on the tractor says okay, he grins and there's blood in his teeth and he swipes a beer off my three does and just plain bites the top off. Chews the glass and lid, doesn't give a fuck, drinks it, then smiles more and eats the rest of the bottle, teeth shattering glass, then grinding. Two gulps and it's gone. He swallowed it. I wonder what the inside of his stomach is like. If he's been made into part machine like any of these other mutations. I catch the shining ceiling of his mouth with an eye, and it looks like armor. Get on, he says, drawing it out like he's trying to be Eastwood, and his voice is as drawly and gravelish as you'd expect. I notice his sunnies aren't real sunnies. There's no frame. The skin around his eyes has been welded or stuck or burnt to the lenses that are pitch black and stained with bloody dust, grease, and grime. A hammer runs past. It's a pair of legs, maybe the legs from the bouncing bogan, in tight black jean cutoff shorts, and the legs are all pallid pasty white and scrawny with shitty jailhouse tattoos all over. From the top of the legs the metal begins, and I don't want to think about the way the long thin scoop of old metal joins to the spine or hips. I simply don't want to imagine it. The body of the hammer is about three meters long. I can see it was an old iron roofing girder. It has a circular pounding head, made from a metal barrel, and the double-ended claw to pull nails every hammer has, except it's massive. And at the far end is a head, a human head, halfway up the barrel with the back of the skull torn open, wires coming out of the back of the brain, sunglasses puncturing bloody earlobes bolted into mastoids, stupid big grin central, greasy hair flopping around while the legs sprint all over the road in disorder bending at the hips to slam the ground and thrown off balance by the weight of itself. The flattened bodies cavort and flop around. They're not sticking very well, but none of these guys seem to care. Maybe they're just doing it all for the fuck of it. Not because they give a damn about practical transportation systems. I think they need some glue. Maybe I could sort them out with something if they'll allow it. Speakers and chains jingle around the massive running hammer 
and I notice it has a record player instead of a tape deck. There is all manner of guides and reinforcements, and stays, and incoherent weights and balances to cushion and reinforce the reinforcements. I guess to minimize the record skipping, but very little of it seems to work. Every time it slams the ground, the music is compromised. I'm baffled it can even work. I'm baffled someone would even attempt it. I turn to my tractor driver, who looks like he's about to kill me. I wonder how long I'll get to live. Fuck yeah, man, cheers! I say, trying to sound enthused but feeling like the most reprehensible traitor, the worst human ever, getting up on top next to the shriveled up corpse baggy drink. I notice the mouth has been clamped shut with pop rivets, and it grosses me out a little to think that my driver has pulled those lips tight over the teeth, drilled into them through his lips, then riveted them shut, skin stretched so the bulk of the lips meet in vulgar flaps, all mushed together and wrinkly. How much would it hurt to have holes drilled through taut facial muscles into the fronts of your teeth? It dawns on me nice and slow that the guy had it coming. He was probably drowning out the music with screams and ludicrous desperate begging. The skin is drawn out thin over the rest of his skull. It's especially weird around the eyes where the bottom and outer sides of the eyeballs are visible and the lower lid is pulled down. Coupled with the blood loss, his face is made to look hollow, like it's about to collapse. He makes humming squeals through his shut mouth, and his eyes beg me for help. I look at the steel pins and clamps and hinges all array over this man in chains, and I honestly don't think I could help if I knew how. Although, if I had a screwdriver, I suppose I could start. I try not to sit on him, but I sort of have to a bit. As I do, a gush of blood squirts out of the tube and my driver shoves it in his mouth. The living drink is too weak to mind my beers. I feel a raised eye of our driver paying attention, so I crank a beer and say cheers to the corpse. I suppose technically it's an almost corpse. His head lolls back in a defeat, wobbling as our driver relaxes, then floors it in second, reverse, first, reverse, third, reverse, second, up and down, all over the fucking road, claw shooting out into buildings, grabbing people, cats and dogs, and budgies. I try not to look. The ride is stilted, and I gotta hold tight so me and my three does don't fall off. When I crank a beer, I have to knock it back real quick because we're all over the fucking road, back and forth, left to right, like a maniac, as if we gotta do the whole city in a day. After a few minutes, I power chuck all over the place. Those first thing in the morning beers and maybe some of last night's meal flying out. The driver grins and pulls the horns up at me, laughs and tells me, Keep drinking! I wanted to drink my beers while they're still cold, fresh from the fridge as I know they'll be so much more disgusting warm. I try to focus on the music and notice my driver has a glove box full of dusty old cassettes. The sun glares at us, a perverse eye hating us all it can. We come to the end of Adelaide Road and turn right around the basin, which normally would be into oncoming traffic, but today there's no one. Yeah, fuck road rules, I start to think, but it doesn't matter. It's meaningless. Far away to the north, in the city center, I think I can hear screams, and I shiver a little. Panicked Frosty in the searing heat. I thought I saw some huge machine, bigger than our house, disappearing behind the skyscrapers, a big cloud of claws shooting up from it to grab office workers. Hell's Afro. We're about to speed off into town for more bodies, but instead we meet up with another harvester. 
The drivers flip each other the bird and grin. Most of the people in the harvester are naked, except for a couple of prudes who've so far escaped the clothing claws by scurrying around beneath the others. It looks like someone, or maybe a few someones, have been pulled in half because of it, torn and ripped like paper in impatience. There's a few segments of people lying around, hips and arms ripped at irregular angles. The rest of them slip on blood and sticky, dry, rotting awful as our driver navigates our claw among them. Three people from that harvester into our roller press, he gives me the controls and I find it ain't difficult to chase them around the cage with the claw. It's mostly men in the cage. I start picking the guys out because it's been a while since I saw a naked lady in the flesh and some of the guys are standing in front of her being heroes all protective like. They scream, high and low, loud and whimpering, and the beers I've had sort of faded all together into a squealy twin guitars on whatever 80s thrash band is coming out of the rugged old speakers. When a drum solo pumps out some rhythms I can't help get into, I pounce the claw on this wrinkly old coot and lift him into the roller press. I don't want to think about how he's probably someone's grandfather, and the John Farham song about we're all someone's son pops into my head. He struggles, but it's less than worth mentioning. A part of me wants to cry as I hear a skull splattering and the chunky bone grind sound of crushing and squelching, but I ignore it and just focus on holding real, real tight to the rusty, shitty roof made of rails and keeping my beers from falling. The roof wobbles. It's been put together by lunatics. If I had a gun, I'd cap myself. I'm sure of it. The stench and steam of the hot, plasticized corpse compression keeps pushing my limits when I think I've got used to it. The odor is like invasive, knotty fingers, and they're wafting into my nose and rubbing my taste buds and eyeballs. I'm eating creepy, pungent gas. I think dramatically, I'm one with the dead now, then laugh at myself. I don't know why. The people in the cage of the harvester are screaming the whole time, and they rattle the wire, bleeding arms out between barbs. Some of the wires keeping them in are just thin, jagged lengths of cut sheet steel. They look more like they've been ripped, not cut, and I don't want to think about the type of machine or person or mix of the two that would be strong enough to rip two and a half meter steel sheets into thin, torn lengths. The spires and spikes that aren't bloody have a beautiful silver glisten to them. I think when I finish all my beers, we'll go to the liquor store for more. And even if we do that, I'll still just jump into the trailer funnel pretty soon anyway. As I pull people out of the harvester with the claw, more are thrown in than undressed. I realize they're going to keep screaming at me, and I'll carry each scream inside of my head for the rest of my life. I crank another beer and cheers them. Well, we hope you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you'd like to keep up to date, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. Also, follow us on our social media pages. You can also show your support for the channel by going to our merchandise store, picking up some items there. Please also take a moment to support our contributing friends who kindly lend their talents to this show. Check out the links in the description as to how you can do this. Until next time, keep it creepy, keep it horrific.